Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. If you would turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. Last week I started speaking on the nativity, speaking on Mary and Mary's response to God of uh, let it be unto me as you said and I I think it's important for us to understand that before God does anything in our lives, we have to come into agreement with His Word towards us. And when we come into agreement with the Word of God, then God finds fertile ground for that Word to come and grow in. And, And when you don't agree with the Word of God, then the Word of God's not able to grow and become everything that it was intended to in your life. And so I I think one of the major struggles that many of us have, one of the reasons why we're struggling financially, one of the reasons why we struggle relationally, why we struggle in depression, why we still deal with addictions, why we still struggle, uh, you know, maybe in in the area of lust or, or things like that, is that we don't truly agree with who God says we are. Or, or we haven't come into agreement yet with who God says we are. That many of us are living so deep in guilt that we don't have the ability for God's word to come alive when it hits us. Because we think what we've done has been so bad that God's word can't transform us as a result. And I want to take the story of Mary. And if we were watching a movie right now, and the big old screen we got back here. If we were watching a movie right now, at the very beginning they show uh, the names of the stars that are in this movie. And in the nativity, the stars I want to introduce you to, uh, one, of the, one of the things I love about a great movie, I love, you know, actors like, uh, you know, there, there are certain actors that I'm just uh, down with. You know, I, I love, usually love Russell Crowe movies. You know, Noah was a little, that was a little off. But uh, and the, the other one, uh, Machine Gun Preacher, what was the dude's name? Uh, from 300? But Gerard Butler, you know, guys like that I, I enjoy. But every so often, you find these non-A-list actors that play major roles in huge movies. And, and you're like, man, where did this person come from? And if we were to take a look at the, the nativity, you're going to find two unheard of actors playing major roles. Joseph and Mary. You you wouldn't expect these two to be the main players in this this drama called Jesus. You you would think that God would have went maybe to one of the palaces and brought one of the princes and made a prince and a princess come together and they were the ones that ushered in that way. There would have been fanfare when Jesus showed up. There would have been all the world recognizing that the prince or the king of kings is about to come but instead he picks a lowly maiden who the only thing that she has going for her is that she loves God and God loves her and a young man that is although he's poor comes from the right bloodline he has a good pedigree he might not have achieved it yet but he has good blood This morning, I want you to stand with me as we look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read starting at verse 38. I want to share with you about these individuals uh, briefly this morning. It says, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
Would you read that part and just say, let it be unto me according to thy word. Say that with me. Be unto me according to thy word. I want you to say that again. Let it be unto me according to your word. I want you right now to get your spiritual soil ready to go. That the word we're about to release has the ability not only for you to hear it, but for you to receive it, for it to germinate, be fertilized, and also implant as well so that it'll grow. Bow with me. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to I show you, first of all, that first individual of this drama called Joseph. Everyone say Joseph. Take a look at this young man. What, one of the things I want you to understand about him is that Joseph is a star in this show because of the fact that although we don't hear much about him after they get married and he dies before Jesus steps into ministry, we do know that there were certain foundations about this man. And what I love about him, number one, is that Joseph didn't leave Mary. Women, you got to find not just a good man, you got to find a man that won't leave you when times get tough. You got to find you a man that's not only there when times are good, but you got to find a man that won't bounce when things get hard, when times get, when, when struggles come in. Joseph was that man. He was betrothed or he was engaged to be married to this young lady by the name of Mary. And in those days when you in, got, got engaged, the, the young man would come and he would talk to the father and say, I want to marry your daughter. And he would give him that honor, that respect, and then they would determine a price. My, my daughter's worth uh, 10 cows, 5 cows, or she was really ugly, maybe one cow. <laughs> or a goat. <laughs> Jim says a chicken. <laughs> I'll pay you. Here's three. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're going downhill here. Come on, let's go back. Come on. You're all, you're all beautiful, okay? You're all beautiful. Now, so they would come to a price, and then what would happen is this. The, spot, the young man would then go and start building a house for him and his wife. He would get going while they're engaged working on the house. When he was done building the house, he would call the father, and the father would come inspect the house and make sure that the house was a good enough house for his daughter to dwell in and to live in. The dad had to give approval first. He would walk in and say, no, you know, I, I've lived with this girl for a while. You're going to need a bigger closet. You know, you're going to need a bigger bathroom. Uh, you might need to put another bathroom in there. A uh, couple more mirrors for sure. And, you know, so he would come in and just kind of tell them how things, are, how things look. When they agreed upon it or that he was done, then the father, the son, and the whole community would get together and they would then go in a parade to the bride's house. She didn't know that today was wedding day. That's why when Jesus says, I'm coming back for my bride to go and prepare a place for them. Come on, somebody. Amen. That God is going to prepare a place for us that we as the bride have to be ready because we never know when that place is done. Now, I just want to submit this to you. How many days did it take to build the earth? Six days, seventh day he rested. If in six days God built this, he's been gone for 2,000 years. Imagine what heaven looks like. But they would come back and then they, so imagine this, that 
Joseph then comes, and as he's building and everything, Mary calls out to him. So, so the boy, you know, he kind of cleans up after he's been sweating a little bit, been working. He cleans himself up. He goes out to, to where his honey's at. He says, hey, what's up, girl? How you doing? You know, I'm still working on the, still working on that thing, getting our house together and everything. And it's going to be good. You know, you and me, we're going to, it's going to be good. And St. Mary says, you know, I wanted to ask you here because something really great just happened. I had a visitation from an angel. And the angel told me that the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow me. And guess what? Can, can you see the glow? I'm pregnant. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes that he's been working his heart out with everything that he's building, he's building it with her in mind. Everything he's doing is for her heart. Everything he's doing is to prepare an atmosphere where she can come and set up her home. And he comes and he finds out that she is telling him that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and now she's pregnant. Come on, come, come on, come on, Mary. Tell, tell me, who's this fool? What's his name? Where, where's Javier at? Where, where, what's his name? Because I'm smart and I'm, I, may, I may not have been. Let me not go there. I know where babies come from. I'm wise enough to know where children come from. And Mary, if that's a story you want to tell me, if that's how you want to deal with this thing, if this is where we're going, if this is all that work that I put in, all that time, this is where we're going with this thing. Joseph, at this point, could have had Mary stoned and killed. He could have had her killed for what she said and what she did. And at that moment, I want you to notice something that he does. He doesn't leave her. As bad as it is, he doesn't leave her. Why? Because he has himself opened enough to God in the midst of crisis when you and I know that we've already made up what our minds what we're going to do. You need a man in your life that has the ear enough of God that God can speak to him and say, Son, that's not the direction we're going to go. I need you to go left instead of right. I need you to know that I'm going to guide you through this thing. We're going to make it. We need men that have the ability to hear God and are willing to swallow their pride and take direction from God. When everything in them says, you know what, man, she made you look like a fool, leave her. Joseph refused to leave her. Next thing I want you to notice is not only didn't he not leave her, I want you to notice that, you know, he, he, he determines, I'm not going to leave you. But not only does he not leave her, he doesn't leave her. Let me explain this. Mary goes full term. While everyone's whispering about her getting pregnant outside of wedlock, he doesn't leave her side. And it comes to the point where she's time, it's time for her to give birth. All of a sudden, she, he has to leave now to Bethlehem for a census. So instead of leaving her at home, he takes her with him. Why? Because he doesn't want people to think that he's abandoned her. He doesn't want to go check in in Bethlehem while his wife is giving birth in Jerusalem and for people to think, oh, I knew it. He just stayed there until the baby came. 
He didn't want to leave her open to ridicule. So he doesn't want to leave her side. She's about to pop any moment. And so he puts her on top of their, their Escalade. Their donkey. And in their third trimester, they start a 100-mile journey, 80 to 100-mile journey to Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but ladies that, that have been in that third trimester, come on, somebody. You can't get comfortable. You got to pee all the time. Your back hurts. You, 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 you got to stretch. You got to walk. That child looks like alien coming out of, of you when he starts moving around because when you're uncomfortable and you move one way, the baby has to get comfortable and move another way. And so while they're on their trek to Bethlehem, how many of you know what he could have gotten out there and gotten taken care of on his own, he brings her along with them, and now it ends up being a longer journey. Then when they get there, there's no room at the end. Joseph could have blamed her. I know I would have. Dang, girl, if you would have stayed home, I could have been here in no time. I could have got stayed at the Hilton, would have had room service. Now, because of you, we had to stop every three miles. You had to stop to go pee. You had to do this. Your back hurt. Now we get here. By the time we get here, the Fairmont is booked. The Hilton is booked. Not only is the Hilton booked, then we decided to go check out to see if Holiday Inn was open, Best Western. From there, we ended up at Super 8, went to Motel 6, ended up at No-Tell Motel, and there was nothing at no place there was nothing open but instead of blaming her he covers her as men we have to learn how to cover our families at times that we could blame that's what true men do learning to cover our families instead of blaming them but more importantly he doesn't give up on her he stays by her side during that time and at times where he could have walked away he doesn't but there's something about this other character by the name of Mary. I want you to take a look at Mary. Mary, I believe this, Mary conceived Jesus in her mind before she conceived him in her womb. Before you're going to conceive God inside of you, you have to first come into agreement with who he is. And she conceived Jesus in her mind before she conceived him in her womb. And I want you to notice the steps that Mary took here. Mary first conceived. Everyone say conceived. I want you to notice the first step of any child is the consummation. When a husband and wife come together, there's a consummation. And when the sperm hits the egg, there's a fertilization. And the fertilization from there, it, it, it's still not a baby. It's still not going it to be, it, it's not going to be able to grow until it gets implanted in the womb. Because otherwise, if it doesn't implant, that, 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 that embryo is just going to come out. It's just going to end up being washed away. But in order for that thing to become a baby and grow, it has to implant. It has to become connected. What am I telling you? Many of us come to church and we have no problem conceiving, but we have a problem implanting. We hear a word on a Sunday morning, and that word, you hear it, and you know it's for you. And all of a sudden, it's just like a husband and a wife having consummation. The consummation is fun, but you never allow yourself to go to the next step where you have the implantation. Where that, that, that egg that is fertilized gets implanted inside you. We come in, we hear a word, and then it flushes out the moment we walk out. 
It's not enough to allow the word to have a relationship with God, to have consummation with God. God wants to birth something in you. And they go to this moment of, of conceiving. And the conceiving is a great part, but from there you go into the development stage. How many ladies remember your first trimester? I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. You know, you're excited about the fact that you're pregnant. You're telling everyone, but you can't hold anything down. Your, your, your emotions are everywhere. You're, you're just, you're, you're, you, the husband talking to his wife, she starts crying, and you're like, wait, what did I say? I don't know. And she, her, her, her hormones are all, all out of whack. And so when that takes place, I need you to understand from there, when you get through that time, all of a sudden you get your little baby bump. You start seeing the baby bumps show up. You start seeing evidence that there's a baby in there is what I'm saying. You see evidence of what's going on on the inside is beginning to show on the outside. The baby hasn't come out yet. I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. You, you, you're seeing evidence on the, ins- of what's on the outside of what's going on on the inside. It's beginning to show. Then when you get to that last trimester, nothing is comfortable. You, you can't sit right. You can't, you, you, everything, you're, you're, just, you're just in that, that, oh, get this baby out. I was happy over there. Now I just want it out. I'm tired of this thing. This thing, it, it's pushing. It's hurting. Get it out. You know, I, you're, you're grounded as soon as you come out because I, I'm tired of you being in there. Come out already. And so you're, you're in this situation, and then you go from there into the delivery. Have you ever seen a woman... In delivery. Now, now there's different there's different ways they got the, the natural. You got the ladies that I don't want any drugs. And I remember when Ange and I were in a room when we were waiting for Jazzy to show up, we heard a lady down the hallway, get it out, get it out, get it out. Angie looked at me, she goes, am I going to act like that? I said, no, I'll put a pillow over your head if you do. (laughs) But when a woman is having a baby and she's pushing, there's nothing, you know, the baby, the birthing of the baby is beautiful, but there's nothing beautiful about the pushing. You can't have a baby without getting ugly. You, you remember, they got you in the stirrups, or, you, or some of you guys did the little, you know, squat thing, uh, some of you did the bathtub thing, but you, you, you got in that place, where, and then they tell you push, and then you start pushing, and you're, 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 trying, to, you're, you're trying to get a, 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 a baby that has a head this big out of an opening that big, and you're, what, you're, you're trying to push this thing. And they say, Doc, isn't this true that the body can only uh, handle a certain level of pain, but that childbirth, it's almost two to three times that, that, that level. I don't understand that. That a woman, that a, a body can only, can only operate under a certain decimal of pain, but childbirth is like two to three times that level of pain. And, but when the child comes and you're holding the baby, somehow you forget trimester one, two, and three, and the uh, and when you get the baby, you're just like, oh, let's have another. Let's have five of these kids. 
Somebody got to get their head checked. <laughs> but like Mary, when we have an encounter with God and a word is planted inside of us, you start going through those upset feelings. You start going through those. You're, you're used to cussing everyone out when you're mad. You're used to yelling at everyone. You're used to, to, to beating your wife, kicking the dog. But now you've come to Christ and Christ starts changing you. There's a word that's planted inside of you. And so when you get mad now, you know, be angry and sin not. So instead of yelling at everyone and, and kicking the dog, now you're, you're, you're in that sick mode, you know. You, I'm glad that God's doing something in me, but now how do I operate? How, how do I deal with this? Usually I would get high. Usually I would, I, I would get stoned. Usually I call my, my homies up, but how, how do I move forward? You're in that sick stage. Your hormones are out of balance when a word is planted inside of you and God is beginning to do something. But when you get through that stage, all of a sudden people start noticing there's something different about you. That something on the inside is beginning to show on the outside. There's something that's beginning to transpire but then you get to that last semester where the promise that God gave to you over here there is a process between the promise that you get you have to go through the process before you receive the baby and I need you to understand that many of us we get to this point and we start going through the pain labor starts happening contractions you don't get comfortable you're struggling and what many of us do at that point is we abort what God is trying to build in your life we abort what God does because it's too hard but if you would stay in there you went through the process if you went through it and birthed it if you would stay in the marriage just a little longer if you would stay in Christ just a little longer if you would stay worshiping just a little longer if you would just love your husband just a little longer believe in your kids just a little longer you might be holding a baby that you forget about all that pain Ooh, that one gave me a head rush. Got lightheaded on that one. Ooh, Jesus. Going through labor pains right now. <laughs> Development prepares your baby to be able to live outside the womb. I need you to understand that whatever it is that you're birthing, you can't plant a seed and then pick the fruit. You, you, you can't have, get pregnant and then expect to hold the baby the next day. There's a process. The process, to be honest, sometimes, excuse my term, sometimes sucks. We, we love getting pregnant. For those of you married. Because consummation's great. It's a, it's a great thing. It's the process. And, and having the baby is wonderful when you're holding it. It's the process you go to between the conception to delivery. That's the hard part. Because that's where a lot of things can go wrong. 
That's why you have prenatal care. That's why you go in and you, you get sonograms or you take blood tests and you go through all the, because you want to make sure that the progression, that this baby's growing straight. That's why you can't come in and get a word on one Sunday, disappear for nine months, and then just show up and try to bring out a child. You got to stay in this thing. Every Sunday you come in, you're having your prenatal checkup to make sure that baby is growing so you can deliver the word of God as God intended it to be. Oh, come on, somebody give God praise. I want you to notice what happens here in verse 7 of chapter 2 of the book of Luke. We're going to close. John, if you could help me this morning. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. I want you to notice who brought forth the baby? She did. Mary did. Joseph might have been right by her side. There was no midwife there. Because of them being out in the manger, there was no midwife, someone to help her. So Joseph had to be the midwife. I need you to know that we all need someone in our lives to help us birth something in. We need someone to stand by our side, to hold our hand. I was my wife's coach when, when she was going through that time. Come on, babe, breathe. We had our focal point. I think it was a candy bar, if I don't remember. If I remember. We had the candy bar, and that was our, that, that was our focal point. But about after eight hours, we, I had eaten the candy, and we, the focal point was gone. She was in labor for 30 hours and only dilated to one. We're like, well, this baby has to come. And in that whole process, I could hold her hand and I could encourage her. And I want you to know that right now I could be your midwife. I'm standing next to you and I'm here to tell you that you can do it. That you have the ability to bring out what God wants to bring in your life. I'm standing next to you just like Joseph did with Mary. And I'm telling you that every promise that God has intended for you is going to come about. Regardless of what you think, God's going to bring it about in your life. And God has, is, I want to I stand there. I want to help you breathe. I want the breath of God to get in side of you. I want to stand there, but it's up to you. It's on you to deliver it. She brought forth a son. Listen, no one else can push for you. I love my baby. But I can't push for you. I could pray for you. I could stand in the gap for you. But I can't push your dreams for you. You got to push your own dream. You got to bear down and bring these things into being. And I, sometimes I'm more than a pastor, I, I feel like a coach. Sometimes I feel like a cheerleader. I ain't putting on the dress. But I'm trying to cheer you on and trying to encourage you to get over the hump, to, to bear down and bring this thing out. Because God had a plan and a purpose for every single one of you in here this morning. But there's some things you got to bring out on your own. But I, I want to I close with the most important person. He's the A-lister in this thing. Every movie needs a star. Something that's going to get people out of their seats, take their money out, and buy that ticket. Jesus is the star of this show. 
know what I love about Jesus is that he showed up on time. After nine months, there's a set time. After nine months, the baby's going to come. Doc, have you ever heard of any woman being pregnant for 12 months? No? Why not? The baby dies. Because a baby was designed after a certain time period to come out. That's why some of you have given up on your dreams because the baby's been in the womb for 40 years. But I'm here to tell you, nothing, somebody say nothing. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. That thing that is dead inside of you could still live. You could still breathe it, bring it out. Jesus shows up on time and you know what? He's born in a manger. But the manger might as well have been a mansion because when Jesus steps into it, that manger becomes a mansion. The pasture becomes a palace. Why? Because Jesus changes his environment. Oh, you, you need to catch this. Some of us, all we do is complain about our surroundings. But do you realize that the moment that Jesus slid out of Mary and he came into the manger... The manger ceased being a manger. And it literally became the throne room of heaven. How do I know that? Because a king showed up. The moment the king showed up, the environment is transformed. Whenever you walk into a room as a king and queen of heaven, when you step into that room, that place transforms. Why? Because you are royalty. You walk with blood in your veins from heaven. And you transform your surroundings. You don't reflect them. Pastor, I wish I was born in Beverly Hills. Why was I born on the east side in the hood? Why was I born on the south side? Why was I born in this struggle? Why was I born in this color of a family, in this economic condition? Why was I born to a, to a divorced single mother? Why am, I going, why, why am I born into this situation, into these addictions? I'm here to tell you, every struggle that you have been born into is your manger. It's your manger that you've been born into. But you were sent there to transform it. Not to reflect it, but to bring transformation to it. Because you make the environment. The environment doesn't make you. Mary said yes to Jesus, to God. And when she said yes to God, it opened up an opportunity for Joseph to say yes to God too. Do you realize that if you say yes to God, you open up an opportunity for someone else to meet him too? Remember all those years when you walked in here by yourself. That when you said yes to God, you gave Jim an opportunity to say yes to God. How many wives here you said yes to God, and then your husband followed. How many husbands said yes to God, and then your wife followed? Then your family. Yeah, Tara was way, 
Well, she was she was messed up before you stepped in. She'd be lucky you stepped in, man. <laughs> All you are is one yes away from not only a breakthrough for you, but for the people around you. Just one yes. Let it be unto me. As you said, come into agreement with heaven, man. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.